not introducing me? Because I want to do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> Who okay. Knows? Who knows you better than you? Oh, you know what? I, 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 I'll, I forgot something. All right. Hey, this is the nice lady that uh -uh. took me in when I was homeless many, 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 many moons ago. Yes, that's her, what I did. Her and her spunky mom, rest in peace, took pity on this stray wild cat. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we go back decades so Back. um yeah yeah no no you 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 do yours i can't i can't do you justice um i mean what's up tiana giovanna i'm a writer i'm an author i talk to people sometimes uh certified neuro-linguistic programmer yeah wait what is that i mean i know what it is but for those that don't know what nlp is could you uh give us the basics on it um, essentially it's a mindset hack through hypnosis is the best way that I can describe it. So, um, you can reprogram your mindset, um, to help you switch that up, manifest, live your best life. And there you go. That's the easiest definition. Oh, okay. So how I've seen it used in TV is you say a bunch of stuff and then you say a word. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it's it's supposed to plant a seed subconsciously in that person's mind, and you just keep playing. Is that is that doing too much? Is that essentially, yeah, it's um, it's a way to mentally alter your future timeline from the present, um, or you can mentally off alter a past timeline to help you reprogram yourself or to to help yourself in the future. So the idea, for instance. If you start working out today, mm -hmm. every day for, you know, the next year, right? You put in a workout schedule you and your goal is to get fit every day from now until September 22nd of 2024, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is your future self will thank you for starting a year ago, right? Because now you're like, okay, I'm in this great shape. I started this a year ago and I'm so glad that I started when I started because now I'm where I want to be. So the idea is you can implant ideas in your own head to be like, hey, give your future self something to thank you for. So it can deal with like healing childhood trauma to put you on the right track. It's 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 can be shadow work. It can be a lot of different things. How would one use that in, in the dating market or in the game of dating and mating? Um, I mean, it, that's, that's the only way I've ever question. seen it. Yeah, that's the only way I've ever seen it applied on, on TV and film. The guy reads the book and he meets the girl and he, <laughs> that's the only way I've ever seen it applied. So when you say NLP, well, I, I automatically it, think a guy is trying to date a woman and he subconscious words and throughout the conversation. No, it's no, it, I mean, you can do that, but unless she is expecting or unless she has been programmed to react a certain way to these subconscious words, that's not going to work. Okay. Like okay. it's really for yourself. It's really okay. something that you do for yourself in order to help you produce a specific outcome. And it's very much linked to um, addressing your mindset and reaching goals. So is this what you would recommend most people get into to kind of reprogram themselves to, to put in no. for expect a better outcome in, in life or, or no? No, I don't think it's a one size fits all kind of a thing. I think, um, you know, mindset can be tackled a lot of different ways depending on the person. Okay. For sure. Yeah. No, it's you, you got to figure out what works for you for sure. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of people don't want to change. Like, let's be honest. You can sit here and say, I want to change all day long, but you don't actually want to put in the work. I agree. Unless, you know, life calamity forces them and it's some God, act of God, and they have no choice but to. I, I agree. I agree. Yep. I yeah. agree. Okay. So we go back a lot of years. A lot of years. We're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about how many years. Cause we're about to, we're about to date. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we go way back. I mean, oh my God. And all the fucking adventures and shenanigans. We, you know, um, in and out the business and just personal lives and stuff. Um, you, 
I would say you know me better than most. Okay, I I would say you know me. You're like one of two people that know me inside and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say you know where all the bodies are buried, but for, for the most part, whatever. And to say it like that though, I do. But I, but you don't always, the way you say it. I though. take, but I take pride in the trust that you have in me though. Uh, yes, right. Yes, you are not yes. an, a very trusting individual. Let's be I, honest. I am not. So yeah, like I do. I I appreciate that. I accept it. I take pride in it. One hundred percent. Okay. So some people would say I have a problem. I don't think it's a problem. But I, I came to visit you a few months back, and the way you broke it down, I was like, hmm. Because I've been called a collector. Uh, a collector? Women. Yeah. I think philanderer is, is what, quite a good word. That sounds worse than a collector. I mean, it depends. Wow, really? What is it? That's bad. A philanderer? I mean, okay, so a philanderer is someone who is readily or frequently entering into casual sexual relationships with women. Is that what that is? That is what that is. That sounds very bad. I don't like, let's find another term. I like collector. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You, 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 you. You, Listen, you assess- I'm gonna call a spade a spade. You can call. All right, it a spade. all right. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll take it. That's I'm here for my self diagnosis. You diagnosed me a few months back, and the term stuck with me. And I've been meaning to get you on camera, and because maybe I'm not the only one that suffers from this affliction. But let's just break it down, because I like to date a lot. The, uh, yeah, that cool. is uh, that's a way. That's a way to put it. That's a way to put it. Um, no, I mean, we all we all come with baggage, right? Like we all come with baggage. Yeah. And um, dating is no exception. And you, so you like to knock them down. And dang, see, you like to knock like, them down frequently. Oh my god, you and, that sounds no, so but it's, bad. Am I lying? Am I do? Do I need to get clinical with it? Like, or does it doesn't sound so bad? I We're mean, here for honesty. We're here for honesty. I did not see this going this way when I. No, it's not. But oh. it's okay. Listen, you, you enjoy the companionship of women, and, but there's a reason, right? There's a reason. Yes, I know sure. that you shared, um, on here before about your fiance. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there is in your eyes, at, you're at a formidable age, and this woman was top tier, right? Top tier. And you've always talked about her and put her on this pedestal that is miles above the rest, right? right. This is true. This is true. And, but at the height of the love that you felt for her, at the height of, the, you know, you getting married, ready to start your life with this woman, she tragically passes away. Mm-hmm. Right. And you never got to say goodbye. You never really got to like to close that gap. And so in your mind, anyone like you're you're chasing that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. You're chasing that feeling. And so you are. You know, there's that famous 80s white folk song, Addicted to Love. And that's what you are. But there's a reason. Like, so that's that's called limerence, right? Like, we know, like, when we get into that, um, the, the beginning stages of a relationship, usually like the first six months, right? Mm-hmm. You're in it and it feels new and it's fresh and you can't wait for them to call. And you, like, you just crave their presence and so on and so forth. That's the closest thing that you can get to having the feeling of having your fiance back because that was cut short. So because of that, because of the age that that happened at, because of how early on in the relationship it happened, because you were still at the peak at peak, like love with this woman. Now you chase that because it was, it was lost to you in such a tragic way. So I think that's what it is with you. You chase limerence. You chase the newness of relationships because that's what feels good. And so once the limerence kind of dies away and you settle into the newer 
the next phase of the relationship, which is that comfort and the, the knowing and the familiarity, the familiarity is boring. It doesn't light you up like the newness of a relationship does. And so then you start to see the flaws in your partner. Then you start to become comfortable. Maybe you are uncomfortable with their comfort with you because now they're showing, you know, that like ugly morning breath face <laughs> is stepping in. And that's not what you're into. Like it's, it's feelings change. And so instead of riding the wave of familiarity and comfort and, and um, coupling that you, you become disinterested and you move on to the next. And that's what it comes down to. That's why you, you chase that. And so that's why, you know, it's not, being in a relationship, a long-term relationship is very, very difficult for you because you, you're still romanticizing what it would have been. Sorry, you're still romanticizing what it would have been with your fiance who was, she was it for you. Yeah, when you told me this, it didn't sound this bad. But it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just, it is what it is, right? And, and if you understand that, you're able to to deal with it. Okay, how does one deal with that? Bro, therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, really? Outside of therapy? No? I, you know what? In all honesty, I would say like just understanding that the next phase that that comfortable familiar phase of love does it? I think you need to find the joy in that mm -hmm. versus only seeking the rush, right? That's really kind of kind of what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. You're seeking that rush. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't like I don't like what you now because when you said it at the house, it was nicer and not much of a gut punch. It didn't sound this. But it's, I mean, it shouldn't be a gut punch. It shouldn't be a gut punch. It's not. I promise. I'm not. I'm not knocking you down like you knock them down. <laughs> what the fuck ever? Whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. And it's you just have to find your footing when it comes to being in a long term relationship and what fits for you, what you like about that. Well, I mean, yes, I and, did. And, and I did. Wow, yeah, she really did in a perfect you know what? The hell with y'all. Whatever. Anywho, um Yeah. I stopped comparing others to her. Like I I I learned I can't do that. No one would measure up. That's not fair to them, of course. And um I guess the, the rush is still I yeah, that's bad, huh? But you know what? As far as the comparison is concerned, that's something that's deeply, deeply embedded in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. Like, consciously, you're not comparing anybody to her, but that was the that was the bar for you, right? Yeah. So it's not about a comparison; it's about meeting us and sustaining, literally, an unsustainable bar, because you were never able to experience the comfort side of it with her. Mm -hmm. um, and so that comfort side seems boring in comparison because it is. Unless you pull out what you love about the comfort side. Right. Okay. So what would a therapist tell me or what exercise would a therapist give me to, to exercise this particular demon per se? Um, I like to have people write down like pros and cons of what their situation is, right? Like pros and cons of being in a relationship. Um, so like, for instance, a pro is, you know, loyalty. A pro is comfort. A pro is sustainability. A pro is, you know, you have someone to grow old with. Um, and a con might be, you know, drama a con might be stds a con might be you know like a con might be insustainability right yeah. um a con might be never 
being able to actually connect with someone on that deep, deep level. And so really kind of sitting out and then pulling out like your favorite part of the pros, right? Like, I love the comfort. I love to be able to lay on the couch and, you know, let a woman stroke my hair and feeling that, you know, feeling safe and feeling like I've got this, like nothing's gonna fuck this up, right? Um, sorry, can I cuss on your shit? Yes, you can curse, yes. Um, so, you know, just picking out what what can can help you in that. Also, continuing to date and trying new things that align with your partner, you and your partner, right? So for instance, um, my husband and I have been married for 13 years now. And every year on, on our anniversary, um, it's just one of the things we do. Instead of give, we don't give gifts to each other. We have, we do new things, right? So we'll go on a vacation, right? So one year we flew to New York on a whim, went to Dave Chappelle show, laughed together, um, I love Erica Badu. She opened up for him. Um, so it was a fantastic experience. We, um, it was our first time going to New York together. And then after that, we literally chased Erica Badu through the city, stalker style. Mm -hmm. And we found out she was DJing at another club after the fact, right? And so okay. we made it to the club. We were able to get in and we partied all night long. And so it was a brand new experience. It was something that brought us closer. It was fun as hell. And it's something that we will always remember. And so every year on our anniversary, we'll do something like that. Okay. One year we went zip lining together. One year we flew to um, Arizona and we went hiking together. And just things like that, that, that are fun that you can experience with that person to keep it fresh because it gets stale real fast. Yes. Well, man, congrats to the 13th because I remember when, Thank you. I remember when he proposed and, and I was like, it was I, I couldn't believe it was that long ago. Man. I remember the picture and I was like, yeah, that, I ain't doing that shit. Fuck all that mess. <laughs> Shout out to getting pregnant right away. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, okay, so I like the segue. <laughs> I like the segue. What what are marriage misconceptions that you wish would would, would die off, or what is it? Because you you see the online banter, you, you see it's basically marriage is the worst thing ever, uh, you know, or it's so outdated, which I do agree it's outdated. But um, you're in a successful marriage. So is your viewpoint skewed? Would someone say, well, you know, what, Tiana, you know, you got the guy and get the family, the house and the cars and whatever, you know, so. What do you say to people that have a, a negative viewpoint, a connotation attached to marriage? Well, I think um, your mindset draws, cre it, it creates your reality, okay. right? We know that. If you have a skewed ver like idea of marriage, then guess what? Your marriage is going to be skewed okay. um, or finding that marriage is going to be skewed. And that's not to say don't be real about it. Cause definitely be real. Um, there is such a thing as toxic positivity and I believe a lot in that. Um, but, but common misconception, I, misconceptions I think is that marriage is 50, 50. Cause that shit is not, it is not, it is not. Sometimes it's 80, 20. Sometimes it's 60, 40. Sometimes it's 50, 50. But, um, I think setting boundaries and setting ground rules and really understanding each other before you decide to get married is huge. Understanding whose role is, is what. Now, I am not in the conventional, like, um, she does all the housework and she rears the kids and she, like, it's not traditional. I am the breadwinner in my house. Um, and, you know, when I got pregnant. So fun fact, I got pregnant the first time we had sex. So he did that on purpose. Um, and w before we decided to move forward with carrying out the pregnancy and we said, okay, we're going to do this. I told him, I said, listen, if we're going to do this, I am not the only one changing diapers. I am not the only one getting up in the middle of the night to feed the baby. I am not the only one who is going to take care of schooling and registration and nurturing. And like, this is you. You are not hands off, daddy. 
Because if you are a hands-off daddy, then I'm about to be a single mother. Point blank, period. I can do this shit by myself. Mm. Um, and he respected that. He was like, yeah, absolutely. He wanted to be hands-on. But I laid it out in the very beginning. And then if he was slacking, or even if I was slacking, he would let me know like, hey, this is what we agreed to. So when you draw those lines in the sand and you understand each other in a, in, in a mutually respectful way, then you can move on to success. But it's, it's when someone is not carrying their weight and sometimes the weight of their partner, sometimes the weight of their partner, that's when you get bogged down with drama. You have to, you can, you cannot expect it to be 50, 50. And when, when, when it's an 80, 20 day for me and I need him to have 80% of it and I'm, I've only got 20% left in me, I need to communicate that to him. Babe, it was a hard day today. Can you take care of dinner tonight? I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Do you got it in you? If you don't, what are we going to pick up for dinner? Right? If the house is a mess and I don't have it in me, hey, can you, are we cool with it being messy for a minute? Or can you, you know, can you step in and vice versa? Babe, it's been a really long day. I just need some time by myself. Can you entertain the kids? When I get home, I need to take a nap. Absolutely. And it's, it's about treating each other with that, that respect, communicating what you need and understanding and knowing, like I said, it's not going to be 50, 50, 50. It's just Okay. Not. So when you hear the rhetoric, um, when you hear the rhetoric and I'm picking on women right now, but you hear a lot of, um, the gender roles be discussed. We don't have those conversations. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't understand why would they feel the need to bring that into their relationship? It's some things just should be understood. Um, and I agree there's ebbs and flows. We don't have to have that, that those type of conversation all the time. Like I get it. I, I wash mm -hmm. dishes. I do the laundry, you know, it's like, it just shit what this is it entitlement on the women's part or on the men's part what do you mean either either one because it's, it sounds like they're coming from two polar opposites and there's no middle ground to meet i feel like people are trying to adhere to gender stereotypes or societal norms that don't work for them in their relationship okay you as an individual you have to figure out what is best for you in your relationship? In your relationship, it may not be to get married. And that's okay. You don't, every relationship does not need to lead to marriage. Um, but I think that, I think that those conversations about what the expectations are, are absolutely vital when we are living in a time when you must have a two income household. Okay. When we are living in a time when you know, um, as a demographic, black women are the most highly educated and are often making more money than men, uh, than their male counterparts. You have to have these conversations because a lot of people are coming in, um, or I should say a lot of men are coming in expecting, okay, well, yeah, obviously you're going to cook and you're going to take care of the kids and you're going to clean the house because that's what my mom did. But now you're also going to work. And oftentimes you're also going to bring home more money than me. But you're still going to cook and you're still going to clean and you're still going to rear the ch children. And you're now you're going to pay all the bills. That stereotype of the breadwinner and the homemaker has been crushed since the 80s. When, you know, almost 50% or I'm sorry, more than 50% of households were two income households. Now they have to be. So when does the resent, like men need to understand that resentment is going to start creeping in. And women are now in a position where, you know, we don't have to be married anymore. Back in the day, a lot of people want to point to their parents or their grandparents and, oh, they made it work. Motherfucker, your grandmama couldn't get credit. <laughs> Like she literally could not get credit until what, like 1976? A woman could not get a credit card on her own. She was I, I, not there because she loved your grandpa. She was there because she had no choice. A lot of women, you know, it was frowned upon if they worked outside the household. Um, uh, like pre-World War II, 
right? Like a lot of women, they could not buy a house on their own without a male counterpart to, to help them do that. So, you know, yeah, you might be like, yeah, same thing happened to my grandma and grandpa. They were married for 70 some years. My grandpa used to whoop my grandma's ass. And she was like, I cannot leave. I have six children and I can't even get credit. Like, and a lot of people don't take these things into consideration when they think about relationships and marriage today. So is it fair to say that the men have not have failed to adjust to society, the, the, the culture of dating? I think it's and both dating. men and women. I think it's both men and women because now women want to go in and instead of having these frank and honest conversations, they want to go in in the very beginning of the relationship. Oh, yeah, they want to cook for you. Yeah, they want to clean the house. Yeah, they want to be pretty. Oh, I'm going to go to work. I'm a boss bitch, blah, blah, blah. I got the hustle. But that's not sustainable. Okay. So then when they stop doing it six months, a year in, because they're burnt out, and then you bring kids into play, so that's an added expectation. Okay. And since she has taken on these roles traditionally, she's gonna, it's gonna be expected that she takes on the motherhood role in full force and be the primary nurturer. She has set herself up for failure. Instead of being real from day one. And being like, look, I'm not always going to cook. I enjoy cooking right now. But after doing it for 10 years, that shit gets old. You know how tired I am of making dinner? Like, that's the worst part of my day is choosing <laughs> what I'm going to figure out, what I'm going to feed my family and then cooking it. Are you kidding? After 13 years, it gets old as hell. Okay, so let me ask you this. Have those expectations in place. So let's take your social circle. Let's take your group, your 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 demographic, your village, the people you cavort with. Would if the women that you know, mm -hmm. they come across a man that could financially support them one hundred percent, they don't have to do anything. Would they take the man upon that offer? There is would only they, one person in my social circle that would do that. And why wouldn't the rest of them do that? Um. My social circle is different. Okay. My social circle is made up of educated women who enjoy being successful because they enjoy, because that's who they are, right? Okay. Okay. They enjoy bringing home, but they're also, you know, I know women who are, who are very successful, who are in their forties, who have no children and are not married. Okay. I have women in my circle who are, who are well-educated and married. Um, but I think a lot of the women that I surround myself with, that's boring to them. Okay. Like that they, I'm, you know, I am not religious at all, but it even says in the Bible, like work, like people are meant to work. The reason it says that, or the, the idea behind it is because that gives you meaning, right? A lot of times when you look at men versus women, women live longer than men and shortly especially if they're in a really long-term relationship they live longer than men and then when they're when their husband passes away then they a lot of times they will go you know within a couple of years thereafter mm -hmm. even if they feel very even if they seem to be very healthy up until then it's because we have taken on the role of the nurturer and we are working we have stuff to do but if you're just one of those people who's like yeah, you could take care of me. Well, where is where do you find value in your life? What brings you fulfillment? Because I don't know anybody on this planet who is going to be genuinely fulfilled sitting on the couch letting one someone just take care of them. Okay. Like you so and and if that's the case, it it it's different if like she's like, oh yeah, just take care of me, and she's got her own thing that she's doing. Like mm -hmm. I'm volunteering or I'm you know, I, I contribute time to X, Y, and Z or, you know, but most people that I know are not like, yeah, just take care of me. Like they want to do something. They want to live a good life and they want someone to contribute to that good life. But, you know, no one wants to be like, I could do it on my own and struggling. Okay. So, so now it seems we have not only a cultural difference, but a generational difference uh, between how women. Okay. So now the women after you, will, I would say, adopt more of a mindset that you have? Is that fair to say? I would hope so. 
but I, I don't know. I just know how I'm raising my girls. Okay. And I think that a lot of women of, of similar mindsets to me are raising their girls and their boys differently. I know, you know, a few of my women friends, you know, at the end of the day, they talk about how all these men are, um, like they complain about the men, but they don't take into consideration how they are raising their own sons, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> my sister, for instance, case in point, she has two boys. And she was that mom who did everything for her kids, right? Everything. She doted after them constantly. And now she's like, I don't understand why my sons think they're so entitled. You don't? Are you sure about that? I didn't raise them like that. Are you sure about that? And then she'll pause and be like, oh shit, maybe, maybe I am, you know, maybe I did have a hand in that. Um, and then also, you know, society still feeds into the gender role ideas, right? For both men and women. Um, so like I said, I, I can only speak to how I'm raising my daughters and I'm raising my daughters to be self-sufficient, communicative, kind, caring individuals. Um, but I also want them to be, I want them to be independent. I don't want them to be hyper-independent like me. Um, I want them to know their worth, but I also want them to be okay with being taken care of. And that's something that I struggle with too. So okay. I'm trying to make them better than me. Do you think the gender roles will be pretty much abolished by the time our kids are of dating age? I don't think so. I don't think that they should be, right? I think men are inherently protectors. I don't think that that's a gender role that women need to take on. I think women are inherently nurturers. I don't think, I, I do think men need to be nurturing, but I don't think that that necessarily has to be their number one role. Like there is a law, okay? There are 12 universal laws. And one of those 12 universal laws is gender right? The law of gender means that there needs to be a masculine and a feminine energy in order to, for the, for the universe to be in balance. Agreed. There has to be someone to plant the seed and there has to be someone to sow the seed. Right, so right. this is not an argument against gender roles. I think right. there needs to be there. I, I think they need to be there. I just think that they need to be reimagined for what works for us in 2023 and beyond. Okay. Does that make I sense? Don't I agree, but I don't think what I think a man is will be different, will be vastly different, say, what, what Minnie sees yeah. when she gets older. Like, she'll have, okay, that's dad, but dad is, that's a long time ago. That was dad's day. Now it's, I got to deal with these, you know. So um, if you have a society that is telling men your naturally biological hardwire is not, is no longer needed. What are men to do? Well, but there's a difference. Are, are men naturally biologically hardwired to not be able to feed themselves? No. That comes down to cooking, right? Uh, right. Okay. Are men biologically, you know, hardwired to be mean to children? No, they can, they can still be masculine and be nurturing, right? They can still be masculine in the kitchen. Look at all the top chefs in the world. You know, like most of them are men. So when I say gender roles need to be reimagined for what makes sense, I mean in within the household and within a marriage, right? Um, because we're living in a different time. Gender roles are not sustainable in a household where you have to have two incomes. Okay. Because it's just not most women like we'll do the work but just because we can do it all doesn't mean that we should do it all okay what do you say to those women that can't pull themselves back and dial it back a bit because they feel that they can do it all they should do it all and then when they get the the, the, the least desired results when they're trying to date because you know they had that mindset so, so what do you tell those women? You know what? If it works for you, 
do what works for you. But if it doesn't work for you, if you are, you know, you feel like you can do it all and you're still full of energy and life and this is what, this is what, you know, this is what lights you up, then by all means, do that. But if you feel like you're doing it, you, you can do it all, so you should do it all and you're getting burnt out, that's just, that's not healthy for you. So I think in everything, it's important to have balance. Right. Um, and so, you know, that I can do it all. I can do it all. So I'm going to do it all or I should do it all. That's a trauma response. That's hyper independence. Okay. That comes from you not being able to trust that the adults in your life and child when you were a child are going to take care of you. That is that is the inability to trust as a child manifesting itself in hyper as hyper independence in adulthood. That's me. That's something that I struggle with. I have always been that, oh, I can do it. I got this strong, independent black woman. No, I am ready for my soft era. Like I'm, I, I'm, it, it's giving trauma. Is what it's giving. Okay. Um, and I'm bad. You know, I like for a long time, I wouldn't even ask Ian to help me with my yeah. husband to help me with stuff. Yeah. Right. Like I would, I no. But I've always, yeah, I've always known you like this. Even before, yeah, we were when we were younger, you were always like, I got it, I'll take care of it. Yeah. We just be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Okay. But that's that is that's hyper independence from co constantly being let down as a child. Mm -hmm. So I don't put my trust in people to take care of something because I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. I'm that's something that I have to learn to let go of. I have to learn to. And that goes back to the conversation that I was having earlier, setting setting those boundaries and expectations in the beginning and and being honest with yourself and honest with your spouse when you don't have 50 percent to give. So when you hear this, when you hear that the conversations 50 50. Um, what comes to mind when you when you hear people our age have a discussion about who should pay more of the bills? Um, in, in, in regards to who gets to be more dominant in, in the, the, the relationship, it, it seems the more money you make equals how much, how much more dominance you get to have in the, in the, or to say so in the, in the relationship. Mm -hmm. When you hear that, you know, I, I know it goes back, you kind of answered it already, but can you, when you hear this, this talk amongst grown people about, I need to make more money so I can tell you what to do so I can tell you to shut up. If you get snippy with me, that's basically <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to. Who who makes more money? Therefore, I get to tell you what, when and what to do. In in a nutshell. Well, I mean that comes down. That's that's respect. That's 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 respect. That is, you know, like I said, I'm the breadwinner in my marriage, and I have been since day one. That does not mean that I get to talk shit to my husband because he's a human being and he doesn't deserve it, right? Me having more money should not equal me having more power in the relationship. Again, it, there is a, there's a power dynamic that ebbs and flows. If you, it may not be 50-50 all the time, but you are still a partnership. You are still hu two human beings who are working in synchronicity together towards a shared goal. Right. So it's a partnership. It's not a I'm the head of the household. So I get to tell you what to do. That's 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 archaic. It's not. If you want someone to to have dominion over, then, yeah, get you a sugar baby. Right. Like if that's what you want. But if you want a true, genuine partnership. Then then that's it can't it can't it can't be that way. So is that a that's a dead generational point of view if 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 i'm hearing you so i make more money so i get yeah. i have to say so yeah i mean it's definitely not the best way to foster a relationship of reciprocity okay i feel like that's more of like a parent child relationship than a partnership and a marriage so what a, what may have worked 30 40 years ago is not feasible today because we're Totally, Tell me totally. something that you know of from 30, 40 years ago that translates into today. 
outside of of the context of a relationship, tell me something from tell me something from 20 years ago that worked. I'll do you better. Let's go 10 years ago when you could still basically make your wife have sex with you, whether whether you wanted to or not. Now you run the risk of going to jail by forcing your wife to have sex with you. Well, yeah, like, she's a person with body autonomy. Right. But, you know, 40 years ago, she had no say so. Oh, I like, know. Yeah. So everything that parents, grandparents did, it does not, it can't, there's no way you, you'd be, you'd be locked fuck up. Yeah. You know? Um, but even, I mean, I'll just breaking it down to the most simple things. When was the last time you saw a new car with a CD player in it? I can't, no. Good luck trying to, you know, play your 20 year old CD collection. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. just like everything has changed for some reason, people want to hold on to the idea that, um, you know, my grandparents did it this way. Okay. Your grandmama was hand washing laundry and dishes and on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor. Like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even going. <laughs> I but again, this all comes back to what works for you, yeah. right? What works for me and mine is a relationship of reciprocity, okay. right? That's what works for me. Setting boundaries, treating each other like human beings, growing together, working on our mindset together, continuously dating. That works for me. But there are some some there are some men out there who prefer to be, you know, like, yes, I'm that, that she's the boss. You know, there are some men who don't want to make those decisions for themselves. I remember working in retail years ago and there would be men and women who would come in here and the woman would pick out all of his clothes and say, okay, here you go, go try these on. Mm -hmm. And he would go in the fitting room, try them on, come out. I like that. I don't like that. That's what you're getting. Right. That's, that was his dynamic. It was that she was more like a mother than a wife. Right. Because okay. he didn't want to make those decisions. He hated shopping. He didn't want to okay. make those decisions. So she picked out his clothes. Okay. There are some people that that works for them. And if it works for you, do it. But do it if it works for you, not because you're trying to stick to a societal norm that is expected by people who have nothing to do with your relationship. If you, if, if you enjoy, if polyamory is your thing, do it. If you are not interested in you know getting married at all and you just wanna have a relationship, do that. But the point of all of this is to understand what works for you and your partner for your well-being and your longevity with one another. How much influence do you see social media having an impact on relationships? And if you do, um, how much negative, how much positive? Um, unless... So the way social media is set up is unless you are actively seeking out the positive, you tend to get the negative, right? Okay. Okay. Um, because of how algorithms are set up and, you know, just what people, humans are drawn to. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that social media is really has a positive mental impact on anything Okay. from our kids to our, you know, the way that we view ourselves um, to our relationships. I Social media is good for advertising your business, finding out information, keeping in touch with people, making a lot of people feel like shit because you are comparing your life to someone else's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, mindless entertainment. So I feel like when people put too much weight on social media, um, that's just harmful all the way around. Okay. Um, and, and in regards to different types of relationships, everyone's given 
their space. I don't know. I don't understand why marriages are just placed into a box and they say, everybody, this is how your marriage should be. When any other type of relationship is like, like you mentioned, polyamorous, no one dares put them in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one dares put the, uh, the Mormons, what they do in a box. Is this specifically when it comes to marriage between a man and a woman, everybody has something to say. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that because marriage is one of the oldest, like marriage between a man and a woman is one of the oldest Western um, situations that people are used to, right? They, they, you, you have these foundational ideas of what something is meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that just sticks with you, right? Like, it just, it sticks with you. And so when someone comes in and shakes that up, then it makes you feel weird um, because you have a, a preset definition of what that should be. Right. So then when someone changes the definition, you feel wrong. Um, and so it doesn't resonate. It, it, it creates dissonance with a lot of people. And um, I think that at the end of the day, you know, you just need live and let live. If that just because it works for you, a traditional marriage works for you does not mean that that's the best thing for these people. And then when you you know, and it's and I say Western specifically because there are a lot of we know tribes in different states in in Africa, tribes in different areas in the Middle East, um, in India, where polyamory or I'm sorry, polygamy is the norm. Having multiple wives is the norm. Um, because culturally and as far as just um, societally, that's what makes sense for them, right? It works for them. Um, it's only Western cultures that have really come in and like had these very strict man-woman marriage done rules. Um, but that's what we're raised in, right? Um, and so I think that when we connect with with our roots and when we can't connect with what other appreciate what other cultures have done and what works for them, then we can begin to respect that there's not only one right way to do things. So as long as I've known you, you've always taken journeys and you've, you've, you've always been in, into self-actualization and, and furthering and bettering yourself. Um, but I've never asked you where that came from or what was the motivation um i just always assumed that that's just how she was you know i never i never really looked deeper into what it was like 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 when we first when i first met you like you know he's he was always doing something and always you know ubers uppity uppity smart like you were uppity smart yep. <laughs> you know so <laughs> <laughs> um how, how, how much smart. how much of that is, um <laughs> That's the best way I could, I could, I could, I could, I could frame it. But um, how much of that was upbringing? How much of that, you know, is just your life journey oh. and you wanting to be like, okay, I, I need to learn this lesson now. Now I've learned that on to the next lesson and I want to do this and I want to try that. Um, so, you know, but your, your folks don't know. So I was raised by a single mom, drug addicted, um, until she was on drugs until I was 16. Right. And it was, I, I didn't know I, I did. I, she knew who my dad was. Um, but I didn't know, I, I could walk past him down the street and would have no idea that that's who he was. Um, I mean, we were homeless. There was, you know, there was abuse. There was, I mean, it, you name it. Like I could go on and on and on. Um, Honestly, that story, though, is not unique. There are a lot of people who have drug addicted parents, especially from the 80s. Um, There are a lot of people who have parents who struggle with with addiction or mental health issues and stuff. Um, But for me, I was in I remember I was in foster care when I was 16. 15, 16, right before my mom got out of jail. Right. And it was about to be my 16th birthday. And I or I'm sorry, it was my 16th birthday. And I was sitting on the floor in my foster home by myself on my 16th birthday. And I thought to myself, like, there's got to be more to life than this, right? There's got to be more to life than this. This is not what I want my life to be. I don't want my life to be drug abuse, homelessness, and jail time. 
Um, and so I made a conscious, like a very conscious decision that that is not what my life was going to be. Mm. Um, and when I was younger, you know, even before then, I would romanticize what it would be like to have a normal life or what I envisioned as a normal life. Right. Mm -hmm. It was the like I was very specific. I wanted a mom and a dad who were educated, who did not do drugs or drink, where I, I had a like a, a stable roof over my head. I didn't have to worry about lights being turned off or not having water. Um, and I just wanted it to be normal. And it's funny because I was very, very clear on what that vision was. And now later in life, I realized that I manifested that for myself, okay. just not in the way that I expected. Because obviously, like as a kid, I knew I wasn't going to suddenly wake up one day and have a mom who was educated and a dad who was around. And But that's me and my husband. Right. We have a very normal ish life. We have, you know, a house next to the beach. I'm educated. My husband is educated. Neither one of us drinks. Neither one of us does drugs. Um, my children have never flipped a switch and not had a light turn on. They have never had to take a cold shower. Um, they have. Well, Ava, my oldest, has been at the same school her entire like her entire during her entire time in school. She's never had to move schools. Um, and I had to, I can't count the number of schools that I went to. So it's, I under, like, I then finally understood the power that I had, um, early on and now I'm seeing it even more. And so it's just now it's, it's, it's a regular thing. Now it's just, this is who it's who I've become because of a mindset shift. But I had to make that conscious decision to say, my life is more than what I've been given thus far. Mind you, in one of the most expensive cities in California. <laughs> it's not one of, the, it's not, though. It's not. Shit. It's not. So um, you say. But yeah, you know, Mr. K2B2, that mind is something else. It's true. It's true. And so I've really, um, I've written several books and created several journals and, and, and things and tools to help people do exactly that, right? That's where my passion is. Like I have a, a regular, you know, job as a writer. Um, but as far as authoring, I, you know, that's what I'm dedicating my life to because it's, God, if people could just understand the power that they have in their minds, like that shift is real. Like what was what was the inspiration for you to 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 start to start authoring? Um, because a, a lot of people like now manifestation has become a buzzword, right? But when I started in this, you know, I'll say fifteen years ago, <laughs> maybe twenty ish, but really fifteen years ago, um, it wasn't as buzzy or taboo as it is now, right? And um, because I saw it firsthand and I could do it firsthand, like there, there was, I kid you not. And this sounds really crazy, but there was a time when a day when I literally manifested $6,500 in one day, like in a single day. Um, and obviously there's action behind that, right? Like the money didn't, I did, wasn't just like, Oh, I want $6,500. And it's like fell out of the sky you have to take inspired action, but people are not going to take inspired action if you don't have your mindset right, right? And so seeing the power and understanding how, and then like, I mean, the science behind it, the physics behind it, understanding, you know, the, that side of it, um, because like you said, I'm I'm a nerd. Well, you didn't say it that nicely, but. Um, I It was nicely meant, see, boy. Well, yeah, thank you. But understanding, <laughs> you know, cause I'm very, very logical, right? I, I, I'm very spiritual, but I'm also very logical. And if it doesn't, if the math ain't mathin', I'm not there. And so when I started to understand the coupling between the, like the physics and the science behind why manifestation is such and, and why your mindset matters so much, and then seeing that actually play out in real time, um, I just got very passionate about it because we, especially like, you know, black and brown folks, we are out here living in a reality that we don't need to live in. 
And a lot of us, you know, especially coming from our parents, I know my dad does this. A lot of us have, have kind of put ourselves in a box that we don't really belong in. And so we, we, we go along with this woe is me attitude a lot of times, not understanding that you're attracting that and that you have the power to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so seeing people who I loved and cared about not understanding how their words affected their reality really, really got to me. And I think it got to me most, ugh, and this sucks, I might cry, but so wait, wait, my mom wait, died of cancer. No, it's all right. It's all right. I'm open book. Okay. When my mom died of cancer, I remember telling her, like, if you don't stop, and this was before she got sick, but if you don't stop, you will never meet your grandkids. Like, you need to stop smoking, right? She wouldn't get it, wouldn't get it, wouldn't get it. And I was like, just all you had to like, just change your mindset around it. Like, you can do it. Because she would constantly be like, I can't do it. This is my only vice. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that. People will, will say, oh, this is my only vice. This is the only bad thing I do, so it's okay. Right. Well, yeah, your only vice leads to cancer. Your only vice leads to diabetes. Like, put put the chocolate cake down, right? Um, but with my mom, she, she would always rationalize, oh, this is my only vice, is smoking. I can't quit. I, you know, I've been doing it for this long, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like it was that mindset. Mm. And um, so in that, she ultimately did end up passing away before she ever met her grandkids. Um, and yeah, like it was really hard, but it was, it ended up being because she couldn't get her mindset right, right? Like if she had decided in her mind, I can quit, I have the ability to do this, mind over matter, like if she had gotten that, mm -hmm. she might still be here today. So it's a huge loss. And, you know, and like I said, that happened uh, about 15 years ago. Like I said, that's Has probably- Has it been that long? Really, yeah. Um, that's probably really when I got into it a lot, but okay. that was really the catalyst. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah, that woman, she didn't know me from a can of paint. Mom, can he stay with us? <laughs> Mom, can he stay with us? Can he live with us? <laughs> I know. She's like, okay. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. She loved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good, she was a she good was one. good to me. Yes, she, she was, was good, good to me. Yeah, I, listen, I would stay in the room. I didn't want to disturb her peace. You know, she'd be in the living room watching, you know, and I'd be like, I'm just, you know, don't want to disturb her peace. You know, I'm just stay mm -hmm. right in this room. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, but she did. She loved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the, uh, we'll save the tapes that she found for another. Hey, listen, first so of all, <laughs> you don't even have to get into all that. It's not even relevant to the, this. <laughs> And once again, we're not proving they were my tapes. So I don't, whatever. Okay. Yeah, no. Anywho, it could have been anybody's tapes. You know, anybody. Today, people running around here, breaking into homes, putting in tapes and VCRs. It happens. Yeah, it, it it, happens. I'm sure. Whatever. Maybe in, maybe in, in Kentucky. Who? Whatever. <laughs> I, I want to ask you real quick. Um, I, I guess. Okay, the marriage expectation till death do you part. Is that the wrong expectation to have? Hell, yes it is. Okay. Absolutely. Um because you know like case in point my sister, right? She got married at a young age. And um with with my sister, she was married at 17, she got pregnant at 19. Um, but all of a sudden, like after she got married is when he started to become physically violent. Okay. Right. And I asked her, and it's funny because we just had this conversation recently. Why did you stay for so long? And I kid you not. And this is one of the reasons why I'm like, we need to get out of that mindset. <clears throat> she said, I remember grandma and grandpa being married for 70 years and grandma saying, sometimes you just have to stick it out. And I said, you stayed in this abusive relationship for 20 
three years because of our grandparents? And I explained to her, I'm like, do you realize, you know, the credit, the this, the that, and, you know, the opportunities and options for our grandmother leaving when her relationship became violent were vastly different mm -hmm. from what my sister would was able to do in, you know, the, the 90s, early 2000s. And it never dawned on her. It never dawned on her that the opportunities for her, like it just, it's just grandma made it work. They were, they had a happy marriage for seven. No, the fuck, they did not have a happy marriage for 70 years. Grandpa got old and weak and stopped beating that ass. And then their relationship got better. Like that, I mean, so no, they, did they love each other? Absolutely. But you know, that first 30 years of absolute turmoil, um, was terrible to live through. Yeah. So that whole till death do us part, like that, like people take that to heart. I, for, yeah, that's a, that's absolutely not... like toxic, terrible levels. And, yeah. you know, some, if that doesn't, like I said, it goes back to do what works for you. If you get into a, if you get into a wedding or you, you marry someone, you get into a relationship and you find out like after the fact that it's all bad, then you need to leave. I um, mean, if you're a Christian that God forgives everything, apparently you'll be fine. Step yeah, out. I, I, I never looked at divorce as like, uh, I don't know, because I'm a child of divorce. You know, if they came together, they did something, got something accomplished and it didn't work out. Yeah. In separate ways. Yeah. Um, but some people look at it as, as a personal failure and it's not yeah. like that's, I think that's not something that you can take on to yourself because you can't be accountable for that other person. Okay. Um, before I let you go, you wrote a book many, many years ago. <laughs> so I wrote a book several years ago called Dating Advice from a Man Whore. And it is all based on my friendship with my philandering yet wise best friend. Aye, aye, aye. The heavily in flawed individual himself. <laughs> so um, yes, Dating Advice from a Man Whore. It, it, it's I love it. It's really, it's a memoir, but it's also like a self-help book. It talks about how I was going through dating and how he gave me fantastic um, advice during my dating times. But it also gives examples of why, um, why he was right. Like literally scientific and psychological examples of why the information that he gave them was, that he gave me was right and how you can apply that moving forward. So Yes, dating advice in a man from a man whore is available. I think it's available on my stand store, but you can find it on Amazon too. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So if y'all want to know a little bit more about this guy here, it ain't woo. even listen. No, it's, it's, a, it's at least a couple of bodies. It's a, yeah, it's in, a couple of bodies. You, wait, even back then, I wasn't really... even back then. This has been consistently. Your wait, you were, no, no, when, no, back then I wasn't. I no, I was dating her. Remember, cause um, we were locked in the house, and, Mar and and she was like, "Get out the house, you guys work too much." And she was the first fucker I fucking dated. Uh, no, I know, but, but there were more fuckers that you dated. Okay, it was a few. Yeah, True. thank you, thank you. Okay, yeah. that's right. It was the uh, the one. Ooh, that yeah. one. But it's it's a short book. It's only about 150 pages, and I meant it to be. Short, sweet, and to the point. Like it's, it's, um, you can read it easily. It's small enough to be able to, you know, take it with you if you're like in a waiting room somewhere or something. But, um, and I have it where you can uh, get it digitally on uh, my stand store too. So yeah, yeah. we're we're still gonna get that thing told on on a, on a screen. Like I've never given up on that. So yeah, no, know. we uh, it's some, it's yeah. some stuff. It's some stuff. So um, I think it's a great book. I've had a lot of good feedback and funny enough. So one of my coworkers read it. He's a middle-aged man. And he was like, T, I read the book three times. I was like, you're not even the target demographic for it. And he was like, I'm not kidding. I read it three times. Um, so yeah, like it, there's really something in it for everyone. It, it talks about like dating and, and, and stuff, but it's also a good story and some good insights into like human psychology and, why people do what they do.
Well, um, we need to do a part two to this because let's do it. I'm down whenever. Yeah, this is. I mean, because you're super mom and you're always fucking at the beach and shit. And I know I have to go and I have to go now and pick up the little one from from TK. Okay. All right. Get out of here. Go. Go. And, All right, um, friend. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone. Um, you can follow me on, I don't know, the TikToks or the Instagrams. Find me under Tiana Giovanna. Um, I think on TikTok, it's guidance for grown folks. Either way, if you type in Tiana Giovanna, you'll find me. That's what's up. So, All right, get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your all day. Right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Yo, that's my sister from another mother. So, uh, Renzo, thank you for the, uh, the two in the cash app, Brett. Um, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. I got some errands to run. Uh, I'll be back later on tonight with uh, with Red Sings to Blues. Um, they might get this strike thing worked out. I don't think I don't see it happening. Not by the weekend. So, um, so yeah, that that's it's one of my closest people in the world. She knows where all the bodies are buried, all of them. She knows everybody I knocked down, all of them. Like. If I ever get jammed up, I'd be like, T, here's a picture and here's a video. And just in case I get jammed up, she has all the body. <laughs> she knows where all the body. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my closest confidants. I think it's my only really close confidant. Yeah, yeah, she knows everybody. Everybody. So um, that's what's up. I'm out of here. Thank y'all for hanging out. I'll be back in a few hours. Um, if you get a chance to visit her, her stand, check her out. She's super dope. You know, one of my bestest, bestest, you know, people and favorite people in the whole wide world. So with that being said, I thank y'all for hanging out. I'll be back in a few hours. Have a good one. Peace.